York, New York, big city of dreams. I'm talking, talking, I'm talking straight out. New York, New York, big city of dreams. What's going on? This is Jay Ellis from the Nick of Time Show. Here giving you that Nick's talk just in the Nick of Time. And guess what? We busted those shots because the Knicks stopped the skid and we beat those Rockets 109 to 94. Yes, we did. Randall gave you 31 points, eight rebounds, and four assists. Jalen Brunson gives you 30 points and seven assists with three rebounds. Josh Hart gives you a double double with 10 points and 14 rebounds. OG chips in with 15 and five. And Hart and Stop gives you 11 rebounds and five assists. With four, with seven points, the Knicks win the rebounding battle, 60 to 44. Hold the Rockets to just 26% from three and 41% from the field, and really, and got us 12 points off the of turnovers. And the Knicks beat the Rockets for the eighth straight time, spanning multiple seasons. And we're going to talk about it all—the good, the bad, and the, and the ugly. Most of all, we're going to talk about this win because we needed this win after what happened a few days ago uh i don't know i missed that i missed the losses i'm glad i missed the losses glad i missed the losses i was somewhere with some sun i, I caught some secondhand embarrassment madness looking at my phone looking at the score because i couldn't even watch the games i couldn't even watch the games I, my girl was making fun of me because i'm watching like the score <laughs> i'm watching the score go down and i'm watching the knicks beat the magic i'm like yes we're gonna win and I'm watching the I'm watching the score go in reverse, and I'm just like, what, what's what's happening right now? But whatever, we're here to talk about it next. Slide. So let's. Get to it. All right. So uh, man, I'm this, this was supposed to be a defensive battle. Both of these teams are defensive teams. All right, that's just what they are. Rockets are eighth in defense. Uh, so and the Knicks are, I think, top ten in defense. So this was going to be a defensive team, a defensive battle. But I figured the Knicks was going to win this because we have a little bit more firepower than they two, and we have a guy called Jalen Brunson. So I expected to win this game, which we did. But I want to get your thoughts on it, uh, Ryan G. What do you think about today's win? Um, it was definitely a tough fought victory for the most part. The Knicks began to pull away in the fourth quarter. Um, both teams that, like you said, they were they're both strong defensive teams. That it was really tough for both teams to score, especially in the first half. They both locked down on both sides of the ball. I think in this game, what I would have liked more from the Knicks is to move the ball around more because when teams are pretty good defensively, and you play a lot of isolation one on one, that makes it tough for you to score. You know, you have to include more ball movement to try to to kind of try to manufacture easier shots when teams are highly defensive like that, but overall, I think the Knicks played well. Um, Brunson came back, dropped 30-plus, ran a drop 30-plus, it seemed like he recovered from turning his ankle in the previous game against the Magic, and mm. it was it was just basically a well-needed win. I think an, another issue I had was because I saw a play that they kind of ran. I don't know if it was, I don't think it was a set play, I think it was a play off the fly, where Hardstein had the ball at like the top of the key was in the fourth quarter and he kind of like motioned to Josh Hart to cut to the basket and OG was and OG was there as well and OG 
act like he was about to set a screen, and Josh Hart pretty much just back, just did a back cut to the basket, and Hartstein was able to find him for an easy layup. And I don't know why the Knicks don't incorporate those kind of plays more into their offense, mm. especially when they're going against teams that play uh, that play tough defense like the Rockets. But overall. You know, a win is a win. The Knicks started to pull away in the fourth quarter, and it was a win that they definitely needed. Yeah, I feel like he gets more time to play mate with the second unit. He's starting to realize that the coach he's been playing, shout out to Fred Katz who pointed this out, the coach has been playing Hartenstein for the entire second half. I think because he just likes the way he Hartenstein plays that second unit, and he's low-key losing some faith in Precious Achua as well. Uh, so he just gets more time to play make over there. And there was a time where I felt like Host was playmaking with, with Hardenstein with the first unit, but it seemed like he's gone away from that, at least from this game. But you know what? Uh, it worked today uh, with that second unit, and it came away with a win. Lee, what are you thinking of the game? Good is the passive that obeys reason. Evil is the active sprinting from energy. That's a line from William Blades, uh, The Marriage of Heaven and Hell, which is about the duality of a lot of things, most importantly, the duality of man. And that's how I feel about Julius Randle. He gave me a lot of pain. I was like, hot damn. My guy is unstoppable. He really is the second best power forward in the NBA, particularly in the second half when he was a little bit more active on the pass, getting guys involved, and had a little bit better effort in the second half defensively than he did the first. But that damn first half, especially with complaining on McCall's instead of getting back in position, there were some really awful highlights. I can't remember who it was in the Orlando Magic game of Randle, Missing a shot, missing a free throw, and missing a, did a call foul on him, and the effort going back, he was like not even jogging. He was watch walking, and then people watching. Mm. We saw that in the first half today as well. But then he turned around a second and really asserted himself in a game where I thought he should, because um, Houston is coached by defensive beast in Imadoka, and they are very good at limiting points off of turnovers. Yeah, points positions. I thought Randall did a really good job of getting the nits downhill and passing it in the second half and getting other guys involved and also dominating when he needs to dominate. It didn't matter who they put on him. He was able to, to outrun send gun. He was able to uh, box up and beast out Jeff Green. So it was a great Randall game, but it was a, a tale of two Randalls. And that's, I resigned myself to just understand this is who this man is. Kind of like myself. Sometimes you love me. Sometimes you hate me. Uh, but <laughs> I Julius Randall. So I am going to focus on what I love while also critiquing what I hate. Also, great to have you back, Jay. It's great to have the leader back on uh, with the crew. Ryan G did a great job while you were gone uh, holding down the fort. I want to give my man my props and his flowers. Great job, Ryan. Yeah, appreciate the crew and Ryan G for, for holding down the fort. Uh, I'll be getting random text messages out of state, so I'll get a bunch of text messages at once, and I see Ryan G going, Who's available? And then I was like, oh, it's just like literally it's like it's like me. Like, go ahead, Ryan, you get the troops together, man. I was like, well, was... <laughs> but yeah, we love you. We love you here, Lee. Sometimes good, sometimes you love him, sometimes you don't. We always love you here, Lee. All right, don't worry. <laughs> but yo, this Rockets team is nothing to play with. All right, this not. I mean, they're a five hundred team. They're a decent team, but they don't turn the ball over. They're seventh in the league in turnovers. So they don't make a lot of mistakes. They're well coached. They rebound the, the ball well. They play defense. They really don't beat themselves like the old market teams from last year. You have to beat them. Um, you just have to outplay them offensively. They don't always get it right offensively because they don't always have the horses. But they're not going to make mistakes. So you got you to give them credit. 
The Knicks, to me, that third quarter was essential because even though they don't turn the ball over a lot, I felt like our defense turned up in that third quarter. Like Lee said, you saw Randall start to play some defense. You saw OG Ananobi stop Segun one-on-one. I was like, what? What was the defense? The block and Hartenstein came in help and it was a fast break. And I know everybody hates Josh Hart right now, but Josh Hart is good for one thing, getting those rebounds and getting the hell down the floor. He, he like, we're the Knicks are 27th in pace. And when we play, the pace picks up when he's in the game. He went down the floor, passed Julius Randle, who did some behind the back, touch pass to OG who slammed the ball for an and one. I was like, let's go. Like that third quarter is what really got us ahead and into that game. And then you start to see Jalen uh, Brunson, who scored 30-plus points again, hit some big shots, uh, step-back threes, uh, some nice passes to the corner for OG on both sides of the corner. Total team effort today. A great win for this team. Uh, but real good points on Julius Randle, man. Good points on Julius Randle about the effort and what we saw from the first half to the second half, uh, particularly the, the turnovers. The turnovers and the offensive fouls. Like, I feel like if the turnovers from Julius Randle in particular on the offensive side of the ball was what's really was killing the momentum of our offense in general. Three offensive fouls in that first half. Um, and also, you know what? You got to give the Rockets credit. We are the king of corner threes. OG was not getting wide open looks. In that first half, he was not. DiVincenzo, he can hit some some threes in tight spots. He wasn't hitting them today. Um, so I knew he was going to win. I knew he was going to win this game, though. I knew at some point we was going to get some threes going, and we did it, and we ended up winning the game. Least I feel like you wanted to say something. Uh, yes, I thought the Rockets did a really good job of doubling at the right time in the first half with Randall too. They waited until we got in the half court, and he was calling for the ball, and they would send a double, mm-hmm. which basically force them to have a to use up the shot clock and try to reset and find a different option to get the ball to. Um, and in the second half, Randall caught the ball later down in stride and made Twitter decisions, which negated their ability to double team him. So I was very happy with Randall adjusting himself, not just his play, but also his attitude about how he was being officiated because, I mean, he's a big guy that when he got in the lane, it's likely that there could be an offensive foul call because of how big he is. Yeah. It's hard to officiate chat. It can be hard officiating Randall. Randall is the top three physical player in the NBA, so I'm not surprised that he gets offensive calls on him. But when you when that affects how you exert effort in a following sequence, that's where myself and many Knit fans get pissed off. I just put it in the chat. JLS is Brunson. I'm Randall. Ryan is OG. Ebony's Mitch. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> I'm glad we don't have a Tibbs. That would be awesome. <laughs> Damn. Damn. On his birthday, Lee. On his birthday. Going shots on his birthday. Going shots on his birthday. Princess Leon Rose. Let's not forget. Princess Leon Rose. Princess, Princess Leon Rose. Fritz do be on the trade machine every day. Jonathan <laughs> Domingo. Fritz definitely on the trade machine every single day. Oh man, but I agree with you. I I want to address some some other some other things to look out for. Um, The minutes are interesting. The minutes are interesting moving forward. 
We traded for OG Ananobi to be that guy, that defensive stopgap. And he he's just as advertised. You put it on a guy, you don't hear from him for like a five, six minute stretch, whoever he's guarding. It's been consistent since he's been here. That's what he's done. And he's hitting that corner three. Um, and we know he's very important. And also the coach is very aware <laughs> how important he is. Because I didn't watch the games from St. Kitts, but I saw the minutes. <laughs> I saw the minutes. And one of those things that make me go, hmm, OG Ananobi, bro, 43 minutes for OG. I think when I was away, I saw a 41 minute game from OG. Holy cat, like, I know he's important to see. I'm scared. I, I feel like we need to trade for another OG backup to give this man some rest because 43 minutes. He's he's. Tom's essentially saying he's the most important man on the team. Essentially, because he's playing more minutes than anybody else. He's playing more minutes than Brunson. <laughs> All right. 36. 36. And when you're looking at Isaiah Hartenstein, right now it might be the second most important player on this team. Because I wasn't watching like from the from the from the magic game. Let correct me if I'm wrong. Did Hartenstein get in foul trouble? In that magic game, Hartenstein is depended on to help the second unit make plays. So if he gets into foul trouble, I wasn't watching the Magic game. I didn't get to what chance to watch it yet because I just I landed last night, do a bunch of stuff, and I got here today. But I'm pretty sure if I had to bet money, that that had an effect on how the second unit was able uh, to not score <laughs> versus the Magic. And this is why uh, Tibbs elects to play this man the entire second half of games. Uh, just before that backcourt, that backdoor play that you talked about earlier, Ryan G, where he gave it to Josh Hart for easy. Like that's what he does. He opens up the floor. He makes things easier for us. Uh, we need, we need a, we need a backup center, man. Precious, Precious is losing. We losing faith in Precious. He's losing faith in Precious. Sims, I guess it's that in those nine games with Sims started, he's not going back to him. I guess I don't know because maybe you think. Throw Sims back in with that second unit if you leave if you're losing faith in Precious, but he's not even going back to Sims. So I'm not sure what's happening. But those two minutes, 40 and 43, I'm looking at that like big orange alert signals. Warning, warning. <laughs> like we might have to, woo, we might have to address that somehow. Right. Yeah. 
at least. But we, he, he might be game like like game seventy two. You know what I mean? <laughs> like Mitch might be back game seventy two. We are game forty. We gonna need somebody for about you know about like what? I'm not I'm not a mathematician now. It's about about thirty games. <laughs> yeah, we might need somebody for about thirty games. Can't, they said can't hear Lee, can't hear Ryan. That's that's wait, we just it just happened in the middle of the show. Y'all can't hear Lee, can't hear Ryan. Oh wow. It just happened in the middle of the show, it just stopped. That's weird. Yeah, like wow. they're saying it now. Show Quan said can't hear none of y'all. Uh what happened? <laughs> yeah, they said they can only hear you, Jay. Hmm. Say some. Say some, Ryan. Testing, testing. Okay, I think you, I, I see the levels now. Do you hear them now? Yeah, they no, said you hear me too. Now. Can you hear me? If they can hear Ryan, they should be able to hear you. That oh, was back. That was very weird. Okay, say so both are back now. So we're both we're all back. We're all okay. That was very weird. I did, when I looked, I saw the level the levels for the for you guys just disappeared and then it just came back out of nowhere. I don't know what happened. Haters are happy. Computer <laughs> computers be putin sometime. I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> it could be haters hacking too. Who knows? Who knows? So wait, hold up. Do we have to make our points again? Yeah, yeah. Say we, we repeat that, repeat that. Uh, Lee was talking about um, he wasn't as worried about Mitch. Go ahead, Lee. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not as worried about the, the spike in minutes between Hardenstein and OG because when Mitch gets back, you know he will at the at the earliest end of the season, maybe in the playoffs. But Hardenstein will be able to go back to being a full-time facilitator with the bench, and OG can sit and allow Mitch to be the anchor of a defense and clean up a, a lot of those uh, blown assignments or, or switches or whatever when you have a guy in the lane if a defender the rim. So at least at some point you know that will be mitigated, unlike Kimba, Alfred Payton, Albert Burks, when I was like, when the hell is this going to be fixed and who the hell are we going to get? We have that guy. He's just injured right now. Right. Yeah, and basically all I said was it also depends on who the Knicks bring in as well. And it's before the trade deadline, if they do make a move, because if you bring in another facilitator, that lessens Hardenstein's, you know, that lessens the Knicks' reliance on Hardenstein to play with that second unit to facilitate. So that might lessen his minutes as well. And I was just, you know, piggybacking off the fact that, you know, with Mitch coming back also, that's going to, you know, lower, you know, their minutes as well. And it's not going to be something where, you know, the Knicks are going to be overly concerned for a long period of time. Yeah, and what I was saying was, it's true that we'll meet, we'll be fine once Mitch comes back. But Mitch, uh, presumably, is will not be coming back until about what game six, 
what, 71? So we still about 30 more games or so where we're going to need some center help. So I can still see the Knicks trying to find scrape up some center help if they're just not, they're just not, you know, really keen on Precious because Precious Minutes is a dwindling. He's at six minutes now. I, it look it's looking like it's looking like the coach the coach has lost faith in Precious. Yeah, just, that's what it looks like. And, uh, I know <clears throat> maybe Jalen. I wish Ebion was here, but it might just be my naivety, or that I didn't play the game of basketball, so I might not be seeing what he's missing from a, a general standpoint. But have you guys noticed like him being awful? Well, I, I feel like he has decent timing and tendencies on on the defensive end. He, he, offensively, he cuts a lot too. I like his activity off ball. He gets under the basket. But has there been anything egregious that either of y'all have noticed that would demand his minutes to be cut the way they have? With Precious? Yeah. I, I wouldn't say he's been great or even good, but I wouldn't say that he's been deserving of the harsh minute reduction from game to game by Tibbs. I, I think he's been okay for the most part as an undersized five. Uh, I think the fact that he's undersized five is probably the biggest issue. Um, When you're in general, and well, for, for Tibbs especially, Tibbs doesn't like to play undersized guys in general, period. But when you're a center and you're 6'8", you even have a higher mountain to climb. And for Precious, if you're that small, I feel like I feel like you're going to have to give something more on the offensive end if you're going to be that small. Because it's, cause defensively, you're going to have to battle extra hard to battle those traditional five sizes. For me, when I see him do his best is when he's switching and he's guarding other guys. But if he has to guard fives, he gets into it, and he he's a little bit overpowered a lot of the times. So it's not that he's doing terrible. It's just that I don't know. And he, he's not giving you the big rebounds. He's not intimidating anybody. Tibbs likes to have an intimidator down there. He, he doesn't really. So he is he his thing is just more like positional defense on perimeter more than being that five that intimidates penetrators like Tibbs likes. That's kind of what I've seen anyway. Great. That's a, a great explanation. That's what I was looking for. I just checked his stats. He's shooting 20% from three since arriving in New York. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like, uh, the threes aren't, the threes aren't hitting and he's, he's been, he hasn't been spectacular anywhere. He just, and he's been spectacular to low. I mean, into low in different spaces. So I don't know. Like, I don't know. Go back to Sims. That's how I see it. At least, at least, go, at least, that's how I see it. Just go back to Sims for anything. Try him out. See, see if he, he Sims. Do at, at some point, Sims was good for us with the second unit at least. Why not just try it out? Maybe you don't have to even look for a, a center. If Sims can do something. I don't know. That's that's the way I see it. That's just the way I see it. But uh, let's get to some 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 Grimes talk. Unless you guys have anything else to say. No, not ready for the trade talks. Yeah, let's get to it. Let's get ready for the trade talks. Uh, let's let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I'm a, I'm a reach. I'm gonna go to this article. Hopefully, the sound gets back to normal. And somebody asked a question about the buyout market. With so who saw who who said that the buyout market with Terry Rozier and Gordon Haywood. Oh hell no. Nah. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good on both of them too. Yep. 
Yeah. I mean, I could see a Terry Rose, I could see a Terry Rozier thing happening. I'm not even gonna hold you. I could see a scenario with Terry Rozier happening because he's in the 20 million range. And the third year isn't guaranteed. Cause remember we talked about the Terry Rozier contract earlier where he's getting 26 million. It's partially guaranteed. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the conditions are for that third year, but it's partially guaranteed. So depending on the team, like uh, what that that uh, that partial that partial is based on, it could be a good trade chip for somebody else because of the contract. Because he is giving you 23 points and he's a starting guard so far, even though we might be looking to use him for a backup. I don't know, but that's something to keep an eye. Um, but let's get to it. Hopefully, I'm changing back to I'm changing back to this other format. Hopefully, the sound is good. You guys let me know. Let's see, let's see. All right, let me check my Let me see. Say say something, Lee Ryan. <laughs> He said, bum, bum, bum. Wait. All right. I think I found the oil. Say something again. Testing, testing, one, two, one, two. All right. I found the issue. I found the issue. All right. There we go. All right. Cool. All right. Let's get to it. All right. Let's get to it. So Frank Katz dropped an article recently. And I'm going to get to it. They say no sound. Yeah, it because it, I, I turned it on later. They should start to hear it now. They should start to hear it soon. Oh, they're, right. they're a few <laughs> seconds delay. So they should hear it pretty soon. Yeah, there we go. <clears throat> so Fred Katz wrote something about Quentin Grimes earlier from the Athletics. Says Nick's trade deadline objectives, Quentin Grimes' future, and a facilitator is needed. And I'm going to fast forward through some parts that I feel like are important. With nearly three weeks to go until the NBA deadline, the Knicks priorities are taking shape. The goal, according to league sources familiar with the organization's thinking, is to add someone who could help the team today and also has a contract that will be attractive in a hypothetical trade for a star this upcoming summer, but acquiring a talented player takes giving up something good too. One name to watch in Quentin Grimes. Now, uh, Lee and Ryan G and I were having a short discussion beforehand about that part in particular. Uh, finding a, a contract for a star. So this is essentially Grimes might be flipped for a rental is, is what it looks like the Knicks are actively filling offers for the former first round pick, according to rival, rival executives who have been in contact with the New York office. That's interesting, too, because you really don't really hear a lot. A lot of times about the, the front office fielding calls, you usually hear teams are interested in this teams, but I haven't heard that the front office is interested. So. It sounds like the Knicks are being aggressive, the aggressors this trade deadline, where other trade lines, it kind of feels like we were just kind of seeing what's out there and putting out feelers. Uh, so the approach signals a change 
from only a year ago or two ago when the Knicks clutched onto Grimes in trade talks. The 23-year-old has fallen out of favor with head coach Tom Thibodeau of late, losing the starting shooting guard job to Dante DiVincenzo on December 8th and seeing his play time decrease from 30 minutes a game in 2022 to 2023 to 17 since moving to the second unit. Here is more about the Grimes, Knicks, and Jets' possible help, Evan Fournier, and more as of February 8th headline. So, yeah, that, that was interesting. And also what was interesting to me was some of the players. Oh, yeah, but this part right here. After the Anomi trade, Grimes is the sole young player with the Knicks. Could throw in a deadline deal. This is thus if they traded Grimes, they would want on a contract they consider tradable in return a player with a salary preferably in the teens or low 20 millions. That would be attractive to a franchise dealing away a star in June or July, according to league sources. This part right here could also be a big reason why Emmanuel quickly shipped out because they're signing Emmanuel quickly and they're saying hey we only want to keep you around if we can possibly keep you long term or possibly flip you for a star if you're going past the low 20s then other teams might not want you and we can't flip you for a star so we're going to ship you somewhere else that I that might be a big reason why quickly was gone in the first place the Knicks could pair Evan Fournier, who's an expiring 18.9 million contract, with Grimes to bring back a contract of that size. Some players who fit that description include Malcolm Brogdon, Jordan Clarkson, Colin Sexton, who we haven't really talked about here, uh, Terry Rozier, Bruce Brown, who we haven't really talked about, TJ McConnell. And the Atlanta Hawks, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Yes. And, and the Cavaliers, Karis LeVert, which is... Bruh. Keep him away from me. I'm sorry. <laughs> keep him. You, can, you can't help Donovan Mitchell. What you going to do for us? Woo. We need another Tim Hardaway Jr. too. Oh, whoa, oh. And the Dallas Mavericks, Tim Hardaway Jr. I'm sorry. Bruh. Too Bruh. Bruh. Dog, Tim Hardaway Jr. would hate us if we trade for him again just to trade him again in the summer yo that dude already hates us you see every time he plays us he's dropping 40. like, <laughs> like that he would hate us gentlemen thoughts 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 on this uh my thought immediately goes to quentin grimes and we better not trade him for a bench player that's that's my first thought but what are your thoughts um well, I'll be a bit, I guess, reasoned on this. My preference would be to include Grimes in a trade for a star. <laughs> but at the same time, I understand the Knicks thinking behind it because once the Knicks decided to trade RJ Barrett in quickly to bring OG here, it's clear that the Knicks direction is we're trying to win. And Right there, that's a shift from the front office going from I'm here to develop these young players on our roster to now we're trying to acquire players so we can actually challenge for a championship in the future. So if Grimes 
could be used as a piece to where you can get a you can get a piece that can help the team now and then that piece ends up being flipped for the eventual star that the Knicks are going to go after I can understand their reasoning as to why they're considering it as as a fan do I want Grimes to go on a trade for a guy that's going to be here for a short period of time to be flipped no, but I understand their reasoning because the, the Knicks have chosen a direction and the direction they chose is win now. So they're going to do whatever it is within their power to build a team that is strong enough to compete for a title. So it's one of those things where it's like you hope that the front office doesn't screw it up. If they yeah. do trade grounds for that player that's going to be here temporarily, they better make sure 100% that that's the play that's going to help the team now. And 100% that that player can be flipped for that star in the future. So, I mean, I'm not for trading grinds for a bench player, but I understand it, though, based on the direction that the front office has shown they're going at the moment. It feels like the Knicks are building around Tom Thibodeau as much as they're building around Jalen Brunson. I think it's very obvious to me, which is why I haven't went back to fire Tibbs, even though he is infuriating me at certain points this season. It's not just because I'm waiting for the playoffs, but also it is clear that the Knicks are bringing in players for the long haul for Tibbs to coach. Guys that fit his system, his acumen, and his preference for on-ball defense, rebounding, offensive rebounding, uh, ball movement. So I don't think all these moves made sense to me, and I'm no longer going to fight the inevitable. I think Quentin Grimes would not be on this roster by the start of next year. I think it's it's guaranteed to happen. I agree with Jay. What is he being traded for? If they're going to trade him, and even if it's a rental or if it's a piece they end up holding on to because no star becomes available this summer, which is also a very big possibility, I would hope it's someone who makes this finals bound this year. Similar to Miami Heat. Like not necessarily a team that can win it all or beat Denver. I'm not going to go that balls out, but a team who can go there and compete and eliminate and fire its games because you added that guy to your roster. And when I look at that list, uh, I have it pulled up on my computer too. I think that list, I think the Fred Katz is so plugged in. These are names that you can really depend on. And he also is very cool. These are a lot of names that we've talked about too, which means we, for the most part, are on the same page, hearing the same things um, in, in the interwebs. When I look on this list, and I think about additional ball handling and playmaking, and also someone who we really need a third scorer as well. OG is the fourth, Brunson one, Randall two. The guys on this list that jump out to me is Jordan Clarkson and Colin Sexton. Uh, those two guys, I think, are under contract also, so they, they won't expire and then can't be used in summer. You have to get someone who had additional year on the contract in order to be flipped. Uh, otherwise, they can walk for nothing. So those two guys, uh, Jordan Clarkson is expiring, but I think he is someone that we can end up retaining and not using a subsequent tra trade, and I'm okay with Grimes being traded for Jordan Clarkson. Because Carts to bucket. He's someone we can rut for 30. I think he can average 25 in a playoff series if we need him to. And Colin Setston off the bench. I like what he's done in Utah. He's shown ability to play with other on-ball players. I think he's played better defense this season. And he's more, I think he likes being in Utah in a different environment than he was in Cleveland, where he was never fully trusted to run the team. He's being trusted in Utah now. So those are two guys that really pop out to me. But so far, I'm be honest, I haven't loved everything Leon Rose has done, but I trust him. And that goes a long way in how I view these type of rumors and how I think about the future. Yeah, I'm just pulling up. I made graphics about contracts too. Uh, I'm I'm still on Malcolm Brogdon, 22 million, two seasons. Definitely can be flipped by next season. Uh, 
Clarkson's contract, you can see, is $23 million first year. This team is this this is a definitely a tradable contract for sure. Yeah. The team will salivate yeah. over a, four, a fourteen million dollar contract. Teams will salivate over a fourteen million dollar contract. Um, which means that that price, I'm wondering what the price would be. That Danny Ainge is probably gonna dangle that one for a couple of picks if that contract is the way it is. Um, but yeah, Rozier as well. Like I said, this is Rozier's contract, 21, 23. Third year, $26 million is a partial. Not sure what the stipulations are for this third year. Third year is a partial. So he, by all standards, can fit within that as well. Um, so, yeah, those are those are certain things to look out for. I, it's funny. Go ahead. I got a question for both of y'all. I, I really want to hear how y'all answer this. That list that Fred Katz mentioned, who is the, not your favorite, not the best fit, but who is the best baller? Who's the best Hooper, the best player on that list, and who's the worst? Hooper? Not fit, not your favorite. Just who, objectively, in your opinion, is the best player on that list, and who is the worst player on that list? Uh, Yeah, I need the list pulled up for me again. I got to look those players again. Uh, Hold on. Before I'm going to say that, like the whole we're getting Tom Thibodeau-type players thing – I'm just a Tom Little type play, which is why I just don't I don't understand. I and I understand because he because because uh Fred Katz talked about how he doesn't like not to have size, which is why Josh Hart is playing so many minutes and Grimes is only getting 15 minutes a game. But Grimes did okay being under size before. So for him to get 15 minutes a game now, after we trade away. Both RJ and your IQ to me is asinine to me. I just I don't like I don't understand it. I don't understand how this front office did everything we could to get some actual shooting and spacing. And he's like, you know what? I like only having one shooter next to Brunson Randall. Let's go. Let's just go OG and Josh Hart for thirty minutes. I'm like, we just I. Trying to be crazy right now. Like, I understand what Josh Hart does. He's a grab and go, fast break guy. But I was dreaming of having two shooters on each side of the corner. And I felt like I had it for like a week. And then he just like, nope, I don't want to do that. Let's do Josh Hart. <laughs> like, what? Oh my God. Yeah. Oh. Kind of tough. Like, pure Hooper? Oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah, pure Hooper. Pure Hooper. Best player. Yeah, whatever synonym you want to use. That's that's tough. The the Hoopers, the Hoopers on this list, I could definitely say Rozier's one of them. Rozier is definitely one of them. Sexton is one of them. Yeah. Clarkson, Clarkson is one of them. And I, I might put Bogdanovich as one. I might put him in the Hooper. Yeah, that's, that's really tough. <laughs> The worst player to me is Karis LeVert. I think that one's pretty. Yeah, Karis LeVert. I don't know. Um, no, yeah. No, I would say McConnell out of, out of the ones listed there. For me, worse. Even though I'm not saying I'm not saying he's a scrub, but I'm just saying out of the, out of the players listed, like I'd probably want him the least. Yeah, out of the ones that's listed. I think him um, and LeVert are like tied for my least. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, damn. I mean, pure baller. Even Tim can give you some buckets. Yeah. 
But if you're talking like pure baller, like overall skill set. When, I, when you say ballers, I think bucket getters. That's what I think when you say ballers. Yeah. So when I think uh, bucket getters, it, I think I'm aggressive. Think I'm getting my buckets. Yeah, I think Rozier. So I They're think like Rozier, Collin, and Clarkson are like the bucket getters. That's how I see it. And then I, I would say Bog, those four and Bogdan are, are, the, are the bucket getters. Yeah, he's not my top choice to bring to the Knicks, but I think if you're talking about pure baller, probably Rozier for me, out of out of ones listed. Yeah, and then you have Malcolm, who's like, I'm a bucket getter, but I can create. I'm a little bit of everything, you know what I'm saying? Like I saw, that's, that's not, and I can play some defense. Like that's that's where I put it. He's not the pure baller, but he's not. He ain't no. He's not a slouch. He's gonna give yeah. you a little bit of everything. But yeah, that that's my answer. Well, I don't know what your answer is, Lee. I think Bondanovich or Clarkson is the best player on that list. Uh, I agree, Rozier might be the most skilled, but his size, I think, makes it a little tougher for him to get a bucket as easily as Clarkson uh, and Bondanovich. Right. Worst for me, uh, at least Team Jim McConnell plays hard all the time. Levert doesn't even play hard. Yeah, I agree. Alicia says they're building around Tibbs, so no Clarkson doesn't play defense. Does not is not a Tibbs player. I kind of agree with you, Felicia. I, yeah. I, it'll be hard. I don't I don't see them going after him. I can definitely you know see about Malcolm though, for sure. Yeah, I was gonna say Broden is a Tibbs player for sure. Yeah, I think it makes the most sense for Tibbs. Yeah, he doesn't excite me at all, like whatsoever his game, but. I mean, um, I'm not going to complain if Brogdon is brought in, but he's not really my top choice, though. Better I, than Bride. Yeah. McBride, man. McBride struggled today, too. He struggled today. when he. And this is the thing about being a playmaker and not just being a spot-up shooter. When you're just a spot-up shooter, your minutes depend on whether you hit the shot or don't. And... His defense is good as well, but it's like, you know what I don't like about this this whole grime shopping thing? I think what I don't like is, okay, cool, now you have McBride getting more minutes, but he's essentially being used as a spot-up shooter. Maybe he'll grow into an, a bigger role next year. Who knows? But you're kind of using him as an undersized two-guard while you have like an actual two-guard. So unless like I I need McBride to be a playmaker for this to really work, you know yep. what I mean? But maybe it's maybe it's just still the bridge year where he's learning, and next year he can be a playmaker. But I think that's one of the biggest things I don't like about moving Grimes right now, where he's like an underutilized two guard who should be getting more minutes than he's getting. It's weird to me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But Ryan G, I know you had something to say about. Uh, the DeJounte Murray news, right? Uh, you know what? Before I even get to that, you know what? Before I get to you, Ryan G, there was a development in the DeJounte Murray news. Hold on, and let me find that really quick. Because as you know, the Atlanta Hawks are shopping DeJounte Murray. The Hawks are, they are not looking like they're in the playoff picture at all. For sure. Uh, 
says, <clears throat> shout out to Jason who, who kind of talked about this. Okay, I found this article. I found the article real quick. Let's get to it. Uh, this is why Yahoo reported last week that Miami and underachieving Atlanta Hawks had a preliminary conversation about guard DeJounte Murray, a 2022 All-Star, and a 2018 All-NBA defensive selection. Neither Miami nor any team has offered the two first-round picks that the Hawks have requested. Things that make you go, hmm, no team has offered two first-round picks. Now you know the Hawks are going to want to recoup what they got for him. And it's funny, I was t- when I talked to, to Mike Scotto and uh, I was talking about the price, the, the Hawks got him for was it two first? Was it two first and a swap, right? Yeah. Two first, one swap, and pretty much a dead contract. Um, so in my mind, I'm thinking that's what they got. And it hasn't worked out for you guys, and you are a losing team. Usually, in that scenario, the price drops. Usually, you usually don't recruit exactly what you gave for an asset, especially if it doesn't work out. You, you might recruit it if you're a winning team and you want to trade it for like an all star something. So, in my mind, I'm thinking if that's the price, the old price, two first, it might be lower now. In my mind, I don't know. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> like you should, I don't know. You should give up two first, maybe one first in the swap. I don't know. So, <laughs> but the other thing is, the Knicks can easily give them that, but they haven't. So that's something to keep an eye on. Because when I asked Scott about how serious are they about getting someone like Dejounte, uh. I guess what I was really asking is how serious are is their offer? Because when the Knicks are serious, like they were about getting OG, they offered three first. That was their old offer. Their old offer was three first in RJ Barrett. They're not even offering two first in this scenario, if this is true. So they could just be playing hardball when you put a trade deadline. So they don't outbid themselves, but let's keep an eye on that. Um, shoot, I don't even think if we, if we can keep Grimes and just give up a first and Evan Fournier, I'd be happy with that. Shoot, I ain't gonna hold you. <laughs> I wouldn't even hold you. I would definitely be okay with that. Even though, even though I see how. I still feel like our starting two guard spot with. With uh, uh, Dante DiVincenzo has been good for us. It's still hard to watch this team play basketball whenever Jalen Brunson sits down. So you you just wing both of those things because it's it's bad. Like we need something. We we need something. I don't know. I don't know. If you, how do you guys feel about what I said? Yeah, agree, disagree. A thousand percent <laughs> agree. Uh, I've been arguing with people on Twitter that Deuce McBride is not it. Nice kid, good kid. He's gotten better this year. Three-point shots improved. But we got him on a three-year deal. There's no rush. 
we can we can continue to mold him. But right now he's a third string point guard, and my knock on him is his inability to play mate. He doesn't make anyone else better. In fact, when the ball is in his hands, guys are almost worse because he doesn't find them when they're open, and he usually goes one on one, and he just gets a shit slapped into his second row, or you know takes a, t- a difficult shot around the rim. So we need a backup point guard. Leon, so happy to hear he's aggressive. I hope he continues to keep his foot on the pedal and he actually brings in somebody who I said get us the East Conference Finals or the Finals. I think we have the rest of the roster around it. We just need that backup playmaker slash third op- option offensively. Yeah, and I mean everyone. I mean, I pretty much said my thoughts about Dejounte Murray. Like he's pretty much my number one target for the Knicks. Um, because just because he can allow Brunson to rest sometimes, and you can run him with the second unit and have him be the lead point guard, and you facilitate for that second unit and actually have somebody else on the team who can put up twenty points when needed. You know, behind Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson, you have that. You now you have that third guy that can also put up points as well when those guys don't. When those guys have an off game, yeah. And I and I believe that you can still stagger minutes with those two. You don't have to keep Dejounte Murray and Brunson out there all, all out there all the time together. You can you can take out Dejounte early, put in Dante DiPizzo to have him play with the first unit, and when you put him in the second unit, you bring back Dejounte Murray. So I'm, I'm so I think it's workable. And then on top of that. If you bring him in and it doesn't work out, you can you know you can easily flip him because there's a lot of teams in this league that's looking for that lead point guard. So he's so it's a piece where it's like why not why not make the risk and go for him and see how it works out. If it doesn't work out, then you flip him. So yeah, but 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 I agree with Lee. Um, I like McBride. He has improved this game. He has improved this shooting, but the playmaking is not there. And every time Brunson's off the court and you have McBride running point guard, it's clear as day. It's rough. That the offense, it's, it's difficult to score. And for the Knicks to get to that next level, they need somebody in that second unit that can actually score, get buckets, and get others involved. Yeah. So it's like, even though it kind of might disrupt the flow of the first unit, because the first unit is working perfectly, uh, or almost perfectly, Shoot, just just the mere fact that the second unit is just so this 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 is is woof. <laughs> it's hard. It might it might just be hard. It might worth. It just might worth be doing that move just just to save the second unit. God God forbid J- Jalen Brunson stubs a toe. <laughs> We're in trouble all over again. Ryan G, I know, I know you had a. A question in the group chat. I would like for you to pose that question to us and the chat. Also, too, I forgot the Discord is open. Fritz, um, Fritz isn't available. He was brought. He was, you know, shout out to shout out to Fritz because Fritz, Fritz is running this show behind the scenes while I was in St. Kitts. So he's like, I need a night off. So <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I understand. This is hard work, Fritz. Hard work. But um. The chat is definitely open as well if you guys want to talk. Um, the Discord link is, let's see. I'm putting Discord link in the chat right now. And Ryan G, I'm going to have you pose the question that you asked a little bit earlier to our chat. Yeah, so, you know, I've been reading around the rumor mill in the NBA, trade rumors and things of that nature. And apparently Atlanta wants to attach a contract to Murray. So basically what they're trying to say is Atlanta's not just interested in trading Murray. They want to attach a contract to Murray as well. And, and if Atlanta does, and if Atlanta's wanting to do that, 
they're not going to get those second. They're not going to get those two first round picks. Like, let's be honest about it. They're not going to get the nah. two first round picks if they do that. So, according to um this article that I read, I forgot the I forgot the source. My fault. But they said they even want to. They either want to attach Capella's contract, Hunter's contract, or Bogdan's contract to Murray. So the question I pose is hypothetically speaking, say the Knicks were to trade for Murray and take on one of those contracts, which player's contract would you take on? And here's the details. Capella, he becomes a free agent in 2025 and he's earning 22 mil next season. Hunter becomes a free agent in 2027 and he has a rising contract. 21 mil next season, 23 mil the following season, and 24 mil that last season. And then Bogdan has a club option after the 25-26 season with a descending contract. 18 mil, 17 mil, and 16 mil. So, hypothetically speaking, if you were the Knicks and were to trade for Murray and take on one of those contracts, which is the contract that you would want to take on? To me, that's an easy question. <laughs> I'm taking Capella. I'm taking a Capella. What? It's, it's two seasons? Yeah, so basically after next season, he's going to be a free agent. Yeah, after next season, he's a free agent. I feel like he can be flipped easily in the summer. Um, he's only, what, in 20 million range, just like DeJounte. We need backup yeah, center help. We need backup center help bad. Precious isn't cutting it. I think I, I would do Capella. And have him come off the bench versus Hartenstein until Mitch gets back. And then try to flip him in the summer. I, I, Man, it's tough. Definitely not Hunter, because I, I don't care for his contract, and I don't know if he can be a high impact player with us. I don't know if he can stay in Tom Thibodeau's rotation. Bondanovich, I've seen him be a dog. He was the second best player in that Eastern Conference Finals run for Atlanta a couple of years ago, uh, the year they beat us in the first round. He knocked down shooter. I understand the logic behind JL is done with Capella, but I'm having to go Bogdan. Uh, I think it's a, it's a best contract of a three, and he would be a third best player, and our third best player would be a sniper. That is a huge lechery, and I'm assuming Grimes is going out, so having Bogdan come in to fill that role, I think he would be comfortable off the bench or as a starter. Him and Dante having that rotation, deadly come playoff time. So, yeah, give me the uh, European sniper for sure. Yeah, I mean, me personally, I agree with Lee. I probably would have to go with Bogdan as well, just for the simple fact that I do think Grimes would be gone in that trade and Bogdan can come in and he could be that sniper that we need from deep. But it's kind of interesting, though, because with Hunter, for me, it's like if I could trust Hunter to be healthy, yeah. I think it's intriguing because he does fit the timeline of the team because he's 26 years old, so he's going to be right on time with everybody else. And he's a good three-point shooter. He's shooting 40% from three this season. He plays defense. He has size. So DeAndre Hunter is intriguing if you want to take that contract on. But the issue with DeAndre right. Hunter is that he, can, he, he cannot stay healthy. So it's like to take on his four-year contract and you, and you have no guarantee that he's going to be healthy those four years, that's that's the only thing that makes you turn off of turn off of Hunter's contract. But besides that, I mean, yeah, Bogdan sending contract. Um, if if you want to flip him for a star, you you're able to flip him, and he's gonna provide great shooting from three, and 
he he got that dog in him. Like I've seen him play, I've seen him play a good amount of times, and he he got some fire in him. Yeah, I guess with Grimes is going, it makes sense to go that route. Maybe I'm still thinking in delusional world where Grimes is still here because they're asking us to take on um, other contracts as well. Like if he asked me to take on other contracts, then it's like, why am I giving you assets and picks and all this other stuff? Like if you ask me, like usually when you're trying to get rid of contracts, you attach stuff to it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Which is why I guess my brain doesn't go to shipping Grimes out in those scenarios. I guess uh, so. I, uh, but that's that's my thought process. If Grimes is gone, then I can I guess I can see doing it the other way, and then may, or and then maybe trying to go for like uh, Gafford from the Wizards or something. Try to pluck him from the Wizards in another move. That's not going to cost us anything because we do we do have um, we have trade exceptions. We have trade exceptions. We have like two trade exceptions, don't we? Yeah. And and the reason and just to throw something in right quick, the reason why I say hypothetical is because if the Knicks were to do that, they would have to give up a lot of assets. If especially if they want to keep some of their main pieces, meaning that if the Knicks were to really pull this off, they would have to include probably a big asset, meaning Mitchell Robinson. And I'm not on board with that. So if Definitely the Knicks not. would actually pull this off, the Knicks would have to include a third team into the deal to take on that other Atlantic contract. So they don't, so they don't have to give up much. And hopefully still get Jajante Murray, you know, coming to the Knicks and then have that other Atlantic contract go to another team willing to take it on. That would be that would be the dream in that scenario. Yeah, like for um we can give him cap relief, you know what I'm saying? We can give him Pachulia. Yeah. We can give him Pachulia, Malachi. I don't, I don't know when I don't even know when they're freaking eligible for trades. I'm saying these names. I don't even know if we can trade or not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I try to trade machine. I think they cannot trade a chua or Flynn as of yet, just because they were recently acquired, I believe. I, I forgot the reasoning behind it, but I was messing around with the trade machine and they can't trade either one of those players. So at the moment, anyway, I don't know if it's I don't know if they can before the trade deadline, but but yeah, like the Knicks can easily like if 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 they were to include a third team to take on that other Atlanta contract, they could probably just give away Fournier for cap relief. They don't really have to give up another piece, really. I mean, if the Knicks want to throw in somebody, then sure. But they could really just give up Fournier and then maybe a pick and then just bring in DeJounte Murray, have that 13 take on the Atlanta contract and have it work out that way. Right. But, and then we still have, I know we at least have a $5 million trade exception. So you have Fournier's $19 million, Then you have $5 million trade exception on top of that that you can throw into Matt salaries. And you have a pick. And so, I mean... That's something. That's twenty something. What twenty? Right, twenty four million. I don't need to be convinced for Dejounte Murray. I, I I understand your vision, brother. I, I'm da- I'm down for it. Uh, these and I, this is not you saying this, but these rumor mills or people on Twitter who are insinuating that maybe it's a larger deal and Mitchell Robinson goes out. Mitchell Robinson being traded for Dejounte Murray to me is haram. Like if it's not a superstar, do not trade Mitchell Robinson. I am. And I love her. I am the, the captain and CEO of the iHeart Hive. Mitchell Robinson is better. Like overall impact is a more important player. He was our MVP for the first month and a half of the season. And I don't want short-term memory loss to to change that and for him to start suddenly become expendable. Not saying anyone here is suggesting that or Leon is. I'm just reaffirming my love 
and an appreciation for what Mitchell Robinson does for this team. And if you do trade him, it better be for a damn superstar, not a DeJounte Murray, Donovan Mitchell level player. I think the team, I think the Knicks know that because I remember reading last week about the Knicks and Mitch Robinson, and it didn't seem like they were interested in trading him. Like teams were fielding calls about him, and they were just kind of like, nah. So at least for now, Mitch Robinson is safe in a Nick uniform. Now I cannot say, well, now, now what? I'm not even gonna hold you. He's not stopping a big deal from happening because we can all remember when the when uh, Donovan Mitchell was available. The original trade was what R.J. Barrett, Mitch Robinson, and, and some picks. So I think I think he'll still might be available for a trade later, but definitely not for now. Yeah, I think a lot of people forget that before he got injured, he was pretty much in the running for defensive player of the year with the way he was playing defense and grabbing those offensive boards and things of that nature. So a player like that, you have to hang on to unless it's for a major player, like a major superstar player. You got to hold on to a player like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, so you can you can easily see something being like Mitch, Mitch and Dejounte, and picks in the summer. You can see. You can definitely. I can. That <laughs> JL is talking about a superstar package right there. Uh, no, DeJounte. that's what the Knicks are thinking. No, that, I, I feel like that's exactly oh, what the Knicks yo. are thinking. Yo, if if we give up the Dejounte Murray and Mitchell Robinson in a deal, we better get freaking Giannis. Like honestly, no, I'm serious. <laughs> like I can like see that, the yeah. Knicks going. <laughs> We'll give you DeJounte, we'll give you Mitch, and who knows who else we might. I don't know if you're going to still go with the Brock, Bogdan. Like, I, like I can see, I, I feel like that's where the Knicks are going. Listen, y'all, the Bucks and 76ers are one first round exit away from blowing it all up. If either, I mean, Milwaukee got bounced in the first round last year. They do back to back first round bouncings. Giannis would be like, I'm out. Giannis, that'd be wild. Giannis, this this is this is the thing. Giannis signed a four year deal. He gave away all of his leverage like a dummy. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> you, you know who else gave away all his leverage? Dame, which is why he didn't have it in Miami. So it's not enough to you know if he says he wants to come to the Knicks and all that stuff. Like the team is gonna have to want him. To want to trade him there, you know what I mean? Like so that he, he he has to play extremely nice, and they don't have to trade him. So because he signed a four year deal, so I'm just saying. I got to give a shout out to Most High Monsa Dushan Booker. Suns are a first round knockoff away from Booker. I think saying he wants out as well. Oh, that's for sure. They have to improve none whatsoever. That's for sure. That's a definitely team. I said I said book. I said Booker like two months ago and somebody laughed at me. I'm just like, you just don't know. You just JL is running. Is there a better backcourt partner in the NBA for Brunson than Devin Booker? I think Devin Booker is the perfect backcourt partner. Probably perfect. not. That's probably yeah, the ideal. Yeah, Booker would yeah, fit in seamless. Yeah, he would fit in seamless. Unbelievable. Yeah. Excellent off-ball player. Like, it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Off-ball guy. Turned into a point guard this year, so you can shoot. and he can shoot. Yeah, nah, it would be, but it would yeah, that, that would be the that would, that would that would have to be the perfect backcourt partner, right? That, there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have no questions. Oh, he's too yeah. short. Oh, he can't play make all. He can do all of that. Yeah, you know, you know what that backcourt sounds like? 
I already know what you're gonna say. The c word. That's a Rolls Royce backport right there. Yeah, Brunson. Yeah, yeah, Brunson Booker, the B mm, BB. Yeah, I would, I would, I would say championship. Yeah. Like if that happens, I would say championship yeah. coming. That yeah. that contract. Yeah, his contract is no his his contract is what sixty million or fifty million a year. Yeah, his contract is no joke. His contract is no joke, but um, but yeah, I can well keep that's that's definitely got to keep an eye on you know. I definitely keep an eye on the Suns for the summer, for sure. All right, but we also have to keep an eye on the Raptors <laughs> because we already know Masai be doing Masai things. He just how many picks did he get for Siakam? If you didn't know, the Knicks just traded. Yeah, yeah. Three first rounders. The Pacers just the the Raptors just traded Siakam to the Pacers for three first rounders, which means the Raptors can definitely trade for a star. There's a few teams that can trade for a star. There's the OKC can trade. It's funny. I can see yo. I can see a scenario where the Suns offload KD to OKC and Booker to the Knicks. I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> And just get like, and they and they just have like six hundred first round picks for like. <laughs> you know what's wild? I remember I listened to a podcast one time. I think it was JJ Reddick with Paul George, and George was, or maybe it was George's. I can't remember. Uh, and he was talking about the Pacers as an organization and their former ownership. And he said that they were never really about building a contender during his tenure there. They were just about building a team good enough to put butts in the seats but never really go into the luxury tax or pay a high payroll because they didn't really care about having a contender. They just wanted to have a, a, a better than average product. Damn. And I thought I thought about their history of transactions and it, it all lines up. They always go for those marginal Marquise Daniels mid-2000 level moves. This Yakum trade might be the biggest trade acquisition of the history of that team. They haven't been around for very long, but I'm thinking about in my head, I'm going through like the Reggie Miller, Ritz Smith, Jalen Rose, Mark Jackson era. And then before that, and I can't really think about a time period where they made a big swing. Maybe Mark Jackson might have been the biggest acquisition before that. But this Siaka move, getting a two-time All-NBA in his prime, is very unprecedented for that franchise. And I thought it was worthy of point now. Interestingly enough, though. It's serious now. Interesting. It's serious now. Interestingly enough, he's gonna he's gonna get maxed. Like, does that make them a chip team? I don't know. I'm still not sure about that. I, I don't even think it's the best pacer team in the last 20 years. That Jermaine O'Neal run on test was a contender, in my opinion, from the eye test. But I think that it's the first move that they made to become a contender. Like this was an all-in move on Siakam. I think it was a good move for them. And I think it really it shows they're trying to do their best to build around. Paul George uh, around Howard Burton, not through the draft. They built through Granger through the draft. They built through Paul George through the draft. Now they're saying, let's go out and get a guy. And they went out and got an all NBA player. It was a good move for them. One of their biggest ever, if not the biggest. Yeah. yeah. Oh, small hand clap for them. He's still buffing the ass, all right? <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I, I thought it was weird. I remember Paul George saying that they weren't really about winning. They were just about putting a decent. Product right, out. right. Shame. Like, yeah. We still about the busting. Ass. I don't like how the, I don't like how Burton was looking at Wally. I don't like it. I don't like how he's <laughs> strutting around at Wally. Yo, I support Wally. I don't care. All right, 
I support you. I, mean, I don't like the way he's I don't. about us right now, so we gotta support. Nah, you. Nah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's not. You meant I, I, I don't hold you, Wally. God bless him. Like sometimes he be seeing some things on the air. I, I'm like, Wally, why the hell did you say that? Like that don't even make no sense. Like that didn't even just happen. But when it comes to the Halliburton smear campaign and hate, I'm on. I'm with you, Wally. All right, I'm with you. <laughs> Brunson all the way. I'm with you, Wally. Let's go. Yo, speaking of Paul George though. I saw that game. I saw that game last night against the OKC oh, Thunder, and oh, I'm man. like, "Yo!" Sometimes oh. when, a, when a couple of players come out and say Paul George is the goat, I'm like, "That game against OKC, I see why they say it. Like that game against OKC, that man took over and he pretty much won the game for the Clippers down the stretch. The the plays he made on both ends, I was like, "Damn!" This is why the Knicks were interested in Paul George in the summer. Yes. Paul Paul George is another one, man. Like he would fit seamlessly with this. It it's just that he's like 137 years old and you don't know when he's gonna stop yeah. playing. Like <laughs> like he looks really good today, but it's like, man, he play, he plays three games a year and you don't know if it's gonna be the same next year. But man, that would be like that perfect archetype player would be definitely Paul George, like for sure, yeah. like without yeah. a doubt. He's having one of the most underrated seasons in the NBA, I think too. I, I would say there's an argument that he is the first option and that with that this current Clippers construction that he is the best player and the number one option at this moment because he's playing unbelievable yeah Ooh, the claws still there too but man no yeah. i'll take i'll take any of those guys for sure yeah but uh yo salute to the chat thank you guys for watching i feel like i talked about everything i want to talk about i don't know if you want to get into ooh picks bro picks i know we have have you have you haven't had the sound effects in a minute so you know yeah i definitely got Matter of fact, I got one ooh pick, and I have a, few, I have a few bros. Okay. Yeah, first I wanted to start off with my ooh pick because I feel like this was the play of the game pretty much. So, there was a play when I think it was Sengun. He was going to the basket. Hardestine blocked him. Yes. Passed the ball out for for the fast break. Oh, I'm finding it. Bullets ran it with a no look pass to OG for the dunk. Yeah. Yeah, now I'm finding that right now. I'm sorry. I'm finding that. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, that to me that was the play of the game right that there. That was play of the game. I couldn't even believe Randall made that. First the block was unbelievable. Yeah. Then the pass. I can't even believe Randall made that pass the way he made that pass. Like it was like behind the back, no look to a cutting OG for the end one. What? Yeah, I was like, yeah, I was like, yo, that play was crazy. That, that play was crazy. Nah, ha ha ha. I'm pulling this up. I'm pulling it up. I'm pulling this up for the people. Can't, cannot. Oh yeah. Oh wait, that's just the, oh that's just the block. I'm sorry, that's the wrong play. Yeah. That's the wrong. That's the. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought I found it. My bad. It's definitely this play. I'm sorry. All right, man. Let's go to the next one. Go to the next one. Maybe I'll find it later. <laughs> All right. And my other bro pick, I can't believe I forgot to say this bro pick on Monday. The Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> what can go wrong will go wrong. And Giants fans, don't be afraid to celebrate because at the end of the day, those dudes haven't seen a Super Bowl since 95. The Giants at least have won 
two Super Bowls this century against the quote-unquote GOAT quarterback, Tom Brady. So Giants fans, we suck this season, but do not be afraid to celebrate seeing the Cowboys stink it up once again in the playoffs. Let's go. Always <laughs> <laughs> oh, good first. And I have one more bro pick. Yeah, one more bro pick. All right, and I found I found a highlight. But go, let's go. My last bro pick goes to the other brother, Greek freak's brother, Thanasis Antetokounmpo, because this guy. So there was a play where Donovan Mitchell drove the ball to the basket. He blocked the he blocked Donovan Mitchell at the rim. And my man started flexing. There was only there's only one issue. My man was flexing when the Bucks were down by 38. Bruh. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand that. <laughs> I don't understand that mindset of flexing while you're down 38, like you did something. Like you that's embarrassing, man. And that is why that man is buried. At the end of the bench, and the only reason he's on the team is because Giannis is his brother. Yeah, man. <sighs> Bruh. Good picks, Ryan G. Good picks, Ryan G. Now let's get back. Play the game. Let's get it. Oh. <laughs> the touch. That was nasty. That's probably the best pass to see Julie Rada making his whole career. In his life. (laughs) (laughs) In his life. The touch pass spin around. Yeah, man. Keep OG happy. Keep OG happy. All right, man. I don't know if you have anything uh, to to bro about Lee. I got you. I got a few. So, first, I'm going to do my OO picks. My first OO pick, Tom Thibodeau. I, I complained on a show two games ago, especially the Dallas one, about the lack of dribble handoff and lack of backdoor cut plays. We're one of the worst in the NBA, instituting both of those actions on offense. And I saw some of the best plays tonight were backdoor cuts with Hartenstein finding people and dribble handoffs. Julius Randle's brilliant Julius, uh, dribble handoff and then setting the pit to, to free up room for Jalen Brunson was chef, or Dante DiVincenzo, chef's kiss. So glad to see Tibbs doing a little uh, off-ball action, getting guys moving on oh, offense. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Love My him. other – for sure, Tibbs. My other pick, you know, every now and then, I think being a Knicks fan, you there are those moments that you see the bridge generations. For me, my relationship with the Knicks is so intertwined with my relationship with my father. And when I see those generations uh, intertwined, it just warms my heart. And seeing Melo, my favorite Nick ever, with Randall after the game, giving each other love, hopefully linking up, but also their sons giving each other dap and like saying what's up to each other. That generational father, son, it just like, it gave me all the feels, man. I want to give my dad a hug. I love you, Pop, if you're watching. I, I love seeing the old Knits and the new Knits interacting, especially the father-son love. Yo. Yo. Off topic, though. Kanye and Anthony to the Knicks? I don't know, man. What y'all thinking? Kanye and Anthony to the Knicks? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> That jumper's looking all right right now. How long you watching the development? That jumper from Python is looking all right, man. I'll be, I'll be, though, 
I'd be scared. I would be scared, yo. I'd be scared to go on Twitter after Cayenne has a bad game. I'd right. be <laughs> huh? I agree. I'd be scared because I'd be mad. Like, don't, don't, don't. I'd be like, don't do that. Don't be tearing down my man. Don't be tearing down Cayenne Anthony because he had a bad game. Now you trade him. He's a bum. I can see. I can already he don't pass like his fuck. I can already see some. <laughs> like, Facts, right? But I would enjoy him personally. I would just have to mute everybody else. Except for like so, four people. <laughs> I, I gave the bruh pit first. I mean, I, I gave the ooh pit. Now it's time for my bruh pit. So yeah. I, I bash on Democrats a lot on this show. I bash on Joe Biden because I think he's a bum. Uh, bash on Bill Clinton. Today it's time to bash on the Republican Party. The Republican Party embarrassed themselves and made asses out of themselves for about three days straight. And let me tell you why. I don't know if anyone wants the Iowa caucus, oh, but yeah. man, Vivek Ramaswamy, a guy who's a lot of his general ideas about isolation, not getting involved in the, in the, the rest of the world, I 100% agree with. I, I like a lot of his ideas, mm -hmm. but the, him saying that racism was a boogeyman that he did not believe in, and then walked into Iowa, an 88% white state, and my man got 7% of the vote. And people were saying, I don't know about that guy because I think he might have been affiliated with 9-11. I don't know about that guy because he's not the right shade of brown. It's like, my man, I think the boogeyman is real, and he might be hanging, in your, hanging out in your campaign closet. I'm not sure, but I think he is. So shout out to him and two other bums, Nikki Haley. <laughs> Another uh, minority who doesn't think that racism doesn't exist. She's an Indian lady who changed her name. And also to my man in high heels, Ron DeSantis, you crusty bum. I am so glad you are out of this race. I hope we go back to Florida and enjoy your time in that cesspool state. Uh, the Republican primary, they said that uh, China was you know, getting into our electoral system and making elections um, open to fraud and corruption. And then I tell these people in Iowa, voting with paper bags, milk cartons, and tickets Sure, I'm sure China or any other Antifa doesn't have a way to uh, be able to interfere with the elections when you're using paper tickets and a paper bag. <laughs> like that sounds very secure. So once again, the Republican madness making a complete ass out of themselves, but it's not hard because it is who they are. Those are my bump heads. Yeah, uh, for for the yeah for oh. for those who think that racism doesn't <laughs> for those for those the kinfolk. <laughs> Not the skin folk, the kin folk. I saw me. I saw me. Yeah, no, go fuck it. <laughs> Jokes on you. You're gonna find out soon enough. <laughs> the loss. I saw a meme that said Iowa voters took Vivit from 9/11 to 7/11, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Damn. <laughs> Wow. Man, hold that L for sure. Hey, yeah. Trump, he's on the Epstein list. Seven, eight times Epstein Island. Like, best friends with Epstein. Yeah, let's make the president of the United States. They have no shame, man. It's it's a back-ass hypocritical party. <laughs> I hate the uh, Yes, I also hate, doesn't mean I'm a Democrat. I'm not woke. I hate both political parties. That's the problem. There's only two options. Let's have more options. That yeah, is that true. is a problem. It's funny. I get into the debates. Uh, I vote Trump. Biden... And we're like, I don't know, I don't like Trump. You like Biden to get all of me out immediately. What you a Biden? You like Biden? I was like, I, was like, I don't like <laughs> Biden either. I don't like none of them. They're both liars. <laughs> they just lie in different ways. They just lie and manipulate differently, but they both are liars yeah. and manipulated. It's like, it's like, do you want your racism systemic or do you want it blatant out the open? Yeah, exactly. Pick your poison. Yeah, and it was like, exactly. like Trump's not racist. What do you mean? He's not, I was like, Dude took a photo app with Kanye West 
And then Kanye tried to talk about about our, about our problems, and he said, "Nah, son, I got the photo. I'm out." <laughs> like, exactly. He, like he's using black people too. He's just using them differently. Like, is this the different method? Same thing. Exactly. It, yeah. it's, basically, it's basically either way you're voting for the devil. It's just a matter of which devil you choose. Pretty That's much. mad. It's. It, uh, I think the Democrat Party takes advantage of black and brown voters, and I think the Republican Party takes advantage of evangelicals. It's a, uh, everyone's just voting against their, their interests and the, the better good. So it's an absurd situation. But best country on earth. Well, we have two political options. That's it. So the greatest country on earth, but we can't come up with more than two parties. Yeah, we just need to, the system is the system is the big problem. But I don't even know how to solve that. But that's that's a whole other story. We got real deep out of, out of nowhere on the KOT show. But we're but here. We're but here. Okay. Ah, we're over here. Of course, I do it on Michael X shirt. Today I put Uncle on the screen. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! All right, that is our show, though. I think. Thank you guys for watching. All politicians lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Glamour. All politicians lie. All politicians. <laughs> that is our show, though. Thank you guys for watching uh, and some supporting the show. We we here love everybody. All right, we here love everybody except uh, racist. Yeah, just right. Everybody else schooled us. All right. <laughs> But uh, if you like the show, hit that like and subscribe button. We're here after every game talking Knicks basketball. And I am back to talk Knicks basketball with you guys as well. And we will be back tomorrow. Who are we playing tomorrow, guys? We playing the Wizards. Oh, yeah. Let's get that W. Let's get back on that streak. All right. Nothing, nothing, nothing cures. Nothing cures a uh, short losing streak like a good old winning streak versus a uh, back to back versus the Wizards. So let's get it. All right. So we'll be back tomorrow talking about the business. All right. So Lee, let him know where he can find you, sir. I'm actually going to use this time to shout out uh, another person that everyone should follow on the internet, Ariel Jesus, my main man. He runs a gold store retro show. He had me on for his first Knits content show on his YouTube. He's a really intelligent guy. Nice. I love talking to him brother he knows is the history of ball maybe better than anyone ever met and i consider myself a historian of ball and that guy knows more than i do about the history of the game shouts out to ariel he's a great dude you can find him at, at ari a-r-i hoops h-o-o-p-s 84 he's a good dude and a brilliant basketball mind check that out book club time today again i don't have a book to show you because i've been busy writing so i didn't get a chance to read one but i did drop a link in the chat for my number one bro pick Mr. James Dolan. You thought we weren't going to talk about you, did you? I hope this is a straw that breaks the camel's back. And Dolan, at some point when the evidence comes out and shows he's complicit, is forced to sell the team. I think all Knit fans would be better off if Dolan wasn't the owner. And it's one thing we could probably all agree on is we wish he wasn't. So I'm going to drop my link to my story, which is the biggest story on their website right now and one of the biggest Dolan stories, period. I did, I'm so blessed to have the opportunity to write about things that I care about. And I wrote a piece about why Joe. James Dolan is a scumbag and almost ruined my Nets fandom. So I'm going to drop that in the chat. Yo, oh, wow. all right. There you go, Lee. Yo, you know what's funny? On Twitter, I have a feeling I'm going to use this in the James Dolan sex Rico. But on Twitter, uh, New York Basketball, he dropped a link and James Dolan wrote a song about Weinstein. I'm pretty sure they're going to use this for evidence. It might help help him because he, he the, the lyrics were interesting it was like i didn't know my friend was going down the wrong way he needed help. I, i'm paraphrasing the lyrics i don't remember i don't remember the lyrics prefer because 
What weird weirdo would memorize James Tolkien? <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny, Jay? I I cite that song in my piece. I oh, you do? That. Okay, well, to read that, go to Lee's piece. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yeah. Did you do a late breakdown? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I finally went to genius mode and went through the lyrics. <laughs> oh, wow, okay. He did it all. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, well, well there, you, there you have it. Read the, read the lyrics to uh, these, these pieces. It might Pretty be interesting. Much. All right, cool. I, yeah, I felt like I had a bruh pick. I can't remember what it was. And I feel like as soon as the show ends, going to remember <laughs> but uh lee let him know he can find you uh yeah i'm, I'm on twitter at underscore lee escobedo or search the hashtag bum and you'll probably find me arguing with nitsiak or another mass fan that's what's up that's what's up uh ryan g let him know he can find you you can find me on twitter ryan gkot you can also find me on instagram at sergi is chilling sergi is chilling that's S-I-R-G is C-H-I-L-L-I-N. All right. Yo, Ryan, I did see you do your own ad lib. Yeah. That was funny. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan did a great job. Very proud of him. <laughs> great job. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I got I to gotta go back and watch. I got a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff going on. Though, so it's going to take me a minute to watch, catch up with everything. But I'll get to it. And you already know you can find us at the KOT show on Twitter, the Nick of Time show on Instagram, and the Nick of Time show on Facebook. All right. That is our show. Thank you guys for watching. Like, share, subscribe. We are out of here. And as always, shout out the worldwide west. Everywhere we go, we leave a worldwide mess. It's a mess out here in these Nick's YouTube streets. That's the show. We out of this. I'm coming, coming, I'm coming straight out, out New York, New York, big city of dreams In, 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 in